Hello and welcome to the DSO Connect podcast. I'm Casey. I'm Robin. And we have another very special guest with us again. We have the lovely, the wonderful, the amazing Erin Bird. Hi, Erin. Hello there, my friends. How are you today? Oh my goodness. I am. I'm so good. I'm so good. We're having such a great time over here. I mean, that's awesome. (laughs) Yeah. And you were just telling me before we started recording that you got to see Hamilton last night. We did. And it was so amazing. It was a wonderful, it was a late night though for my kids. Yeah. How old are they? So I have a nine-year-old and she made it through 95%. (laughs) Amazing. So she did pretty good. And then I have a 13 year old. And so, um, which was just fine, but yeah, it was so good. But this morning they're a little slow. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, little mm-hmm. slow I hear that. I mean, same, but yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and I don't have an excuse. So, <laughs> all right, well, let me introduce you, read a little bit about you for our listeners. Erin Bird is a dance studio strategist, author, and speaker. She started Birdie's Kids in Motion and Dance Biz in a Bag on a budget of only $300 and built a six-figure business in just two years. Erin is passionate about paying it forward and created the $100,000 Studio Dance Blueprint and the Mobile Studio Mastermind. She has coached over 100 studio owners and educators to launch and grow their businesses and have, has helped them create their own unique visions of success. So welcome, Erin. For having me, that okay. is so fantastic! Like, yeah. how amazing for you! So, let's start from the beginning. Tell yeah. us a little bit about your background, your dance journey, how you became so fabulous and amazing at what you do, yeah. all of those things. Well, thank you so much. Um, so for mo- I'm like most of y'all in that I went to the studio, you know, I was a kid and I, I went and my mom, bless her heart. She was the one who, you know, took me to dance and then took my brother to soccer and then took, you know, she did all, all the rounds, you know, and then they all came back to the studio and waited for me in the lobby. And sometimes we're having dinner there. Um, and as I was going and I was getting older and growing up, you know, I thought in my mind, Oh, I want to be, I want to go maybe dance on a cruise ship or go to Broadway or right. I had all of these dreams of a professional career. And when I graduated from high school and was in college, I started auditioning and I wasn't really getting anything, which we all know is pretty standard in our world. Um, But after a while, you know, it kind of starts to hurt your heart a little bit. And I had like pulled myself up and said, I'm just going to, I'm going to go to this audition in LA because I'm close. And I went and we're going through the rounds, you know, and they're cutting people. And, and I, and I did, I got cut and I was walking out and I was, I had a casting director who was there who pulled me aside and said, you know, I just want to tell you that it has nothing to do with your technique. You're only five feet tall. And I was like, oh, I could never cast you in anything because you're too short. Uh, hard relate. Also five feet tall over here. Okay. Right. <laughs> so it crushed my spirit for a moment. And I was right, like, cause what are you going to do about that? What do they want right. you to do? <laughs> like, this is what God gave me. I'm five feet tall. Right. Mm-hmm. And so, but so I did, I took a moment. And I was like, I'm, I'm not going to dance anymore. I'm just going to move on oh. with my life. I'll figure it out. And I started working in different corporate jobs and I was good at them. 
Mm-hmm. But it kind of sucked the soul out of me. Sure. <laughs> right. And I I had that moment I went back to like, okay, well, maybe I'm grateful that I didn't spend and waste my whole life trying and never knowing. Because most of the time you don't have casting directors who pull you aside and tell you why they didn't pick you. Right. So what a blessing that was. So, but then my heart just kept calling me back to dance and thinking, oh my gosh, I just I love it so much. And it makes my it really fills me up. And so Um, I thought, okay, I'm going to go back to teaching. (laughs) That's what I'm going to do. And so I was working in these corporate jobs during the day and teaching at night. And, um, but to me, again, I was, I was living in Orange County, California at the time. And um, it's expensive to live there. (laughs) It's expensive to live there. And so I had to realize like, what is it that I really want to do? because Mm -hmm. this isn't kind of doing it this way. And fast forward, my husband and I, he, we got relocated and he, we were living in North Carolina and, um, we were having those talks about like, okay, well, when we have a family, what does that look like? Cause I, you know, you can't, for me, it was important for us to have dinner together around the table and to Mm -hmm. do all those sort of things. And, um, I just looked at him and said, I can't, I can't work in this human resources job anymore. (laughs) I just can't do it. And it was requiring a lot of me. And so he's like, okay, well then what are we going to do? And so we decided to kind of start with the mobile thing and we didn't have very much money at all um, because of some medical things my husband had. And so I was just like, but I'm going to make it work. I have a can do attitude. (laughs) We're going to make this work. And so, you know, fast forward and here we are years later. Oh my gosh, 15 16 years later, and um, it's just been a journey. And so I'm so glad that I'm, I really have to say, like, looking back, I'm so grateful for that casting director to just tell me, mm-hmm. because it gave me a moment to really process like, well, what does that mean? And the truth of the matter is that I absolutely adore being an educator. I really love it. And if think about back to that stinky human resources corporate job that I was working for a corporation, what I have to say is that the part that I loved was the education piece Mm. in that role. And, but I didn't like all the other union, like labor board sort of situations, (laughs) right? So, but it did teach me a lot. Um, So I am grateful, but yeah, it's, it's been really great, but yeah, I'm just like, most of y'all, you know, went through the thing and thought I was going to do one thing. And, and then the world had something else for me. Yeah. So what is the mobile thing? I'm, I'm intrigued. I want to hear what, what this mobile dance thing is. So I had this moment where I thought back to, like I said, my mom being the like taxi cab for us kids, because she wanted us to be involved. She knew that if we were really involved, we would probably stay out of trouble. Right. And so <laughs> I was thinking about that. And I, we, my husband and I had that conversation about dinner around the table and like how valuable we feel like that time is for as long as possible, because we know that's not possible forever. Um, and so the like kind of light bulb went off and that, hmm, there's probably other working moms out there who would like to take something off their plate. And I want to work when my kids are at school. Mm-hmm. And so I decided I was just going to start going and offering classes at preschools and daycares and private schools. And 
at the time I didn't do after school programs at the time because I wanted to be able to pick my kids up. Um, but it just kind of evolved from there. And I took what little money we had and I said, okay, how could I make this work? Right. And I got, I started pounding the pavement and I went out and I was very, I don't want to say lucky. I'm sure there was some luck that had to do with it too, but in that I was able to really launch the business very, very quickly. Um, and within 30 days, I had 13 centers that I was serving and over 150, over 150 students. And so it was a really quick way for me to transition. Were you doing all the teaching or at, at that time when you had 13 centers? Yeah, at the time I was. That's like three a day. Yeah. And so, which, which meant I was like teaching from nine to noon. And then, I was, and then I was done teaching for the day and I would go and I would, you know, get all my stuff together. And if I was going to go out marketing or recruiting, I had some time in the afternoons to do that um, and admin and all that fun stuff. But yeah, I was able to just go from nothing to, oh my gosh, I was able to really supplement my income that I left <laughs> when I left working for um, that corporate job and then grew and grew and scaled it and refined systems and what I wanted our program to look like. And um, then it just started. Yeah. I had people saying like, Hey, you do this thing. Could you help me with that? And I was like, Oh, sure. You know, why not? So today do you teach other studio owners how to do that? Is this like a, a an educational piece that you provide to other studio owners? I do. Yeah. Great. What's it called? So we have a couple different pieces. Um, Pre-pandemic, I was hosting the 100K Mobile Dance Blueprint Workshop. So that we could come, we would be in person um, and go through. And I would literally give them all the steps of what we would take. Um, And then it morphed into them taking that blueprint. Some of them say, "Mm, but I need some more accountability, (laughs) right? Because we're all so busy and we know when we have someone holding us accountable, we tend to do more, right? So, um, so then it morphed into having the mobile mastermind, um, which is a group coaching program that I have. And then again, it evolves, you know, it keeps evolving. And um, I wrote a book, the passion and profit project. And then, um, and then we have private clients too. And we host, you know, retreats for our clients and things like that. So Um, it's been really great. And it wasn't something that I ever thought that I wanted to do. Um, but there was a catalyst for it. You know, um, I had a couple people here and there ask me about it here in California, friends of mine who had studios and they're like, Hey, this seems like a really great extra revenue stream. Like you want to talk to me about it? I'm like, sure. Like, of course, um, we're friends. We've been dancing. We danced in college together. Like, sure. And so that kind of started that. And then um, my father, he was diagnosed with leukemia and we were, we spent two weeks together in the hospital, just talking about life and all that comes with it and places we wanted to travel and all that. And one day I came in to the hospital and right when I walked in, he looked at me and he's like, Aaron, how do you make a bigger impact in the world? And I was like, what medicine did they change you to? Because what? <laughs> this is not the approach that he would normally take if you knew my father. 
And I said, I don't know what you mean, dad. He said, well, like, how do you do more good for the world? And I kind of sat there for a minute and I said, I'm not sure what you mean. He goes, well, through your business, because you know, you're impacting these kids and you're changing their lives for the better, better. So how do you do more? And I said, and at that point, yeah, to be completely honest, I'm exhausted because all emotionally exhausted. I was running our business. My children were young. Um, my husband had just had heart surgery and we were also running my father's business while he was in the hospital. So there was a lot on our plate and I was like, kind of threw my hands up in, my, in the air and I probably was a little snarky, <laughs> but I was like, I don't know. Cause if you're thinking something, why don't you just tell me? And he said, well, now why don't you go home and think about it and tomorrow when you come back, we'll talk about it more. And to me, I was a little frustrated with that. I said, okay. So we talked about some other things and you know, whatnot. And I went home and the next day I came back and again, literally the first thing he was like, so did you think about it? And I'm like, dad, what do you mean? Right. What do you mean? He said, well, isn't it obvious? And I said, no, <laughs> it's not. Or hello, I'd be saying, and he's like, your job now is to educate the educators because your little pebble can turn into a ripple and turn into a tsunami because you can only serve so many children here in our community. But if you help the educators, if you help those people, then you make a bigger impact on the world. And I said, okay. <laughs> and I was a little, I felt a little tapped out at the moment, you know, and I'm like, okay. And you know, unfortunately my father passed away two days later and it took me a while to kind of, you know, go through all that, make sure everybody was settled, um, with the businesses and all that good stuff. And one day I just woke up and I was like, you know, he's right. It's time for me to do something about it. And so that's kind of how it was birthed and, um, creating that workshop really was like the first step and then seeing the need and talking to people and speaking and going out there. And so, yeah, it's become um, something that just really makes my heart so happy and seeing how it transforms a lot of these studio owners and educators lives just um, absolutely hits home that, yeah, it is how you, how you make a bigger impact in the world. And so people know I was here. And your dad is probably looking and he's very pleased with what you've done. I sure hope so. I'm sure he is, but it, <laughs> but it was just one of those moments of like, okay, <laughs> all right. Okay. Yeah. You see more, you know, for me and, um, really grateful because it does, it, um, fills my heart with so much joy. Yeah. That's wonderful. I've not, I've actually never thought about it in that way. Like we've, DSO Connect has been a thing since 2015, I think. And I've been focused on helping our clients and helping our members. And it, I guess it never really, I never really thought about like, in turn, you're also helping all of these children and having that much of an impact. I was like, oh, bleh, bleh. mind blowing. Right. <laughs> right. It's one of those things that, yeah, to me, it was like, no, it's not obvious. <laughs> oh, um, but as I sit back now and think about it, I was like, oh yeah, that's what he meant, you know? And, and I could tell you that when I do see 
we celebrate the wins with my clients and Mm -hmm. they'll share um, not only their wins, maybe if they're um, financial wins or, I mean, they could be, they'll send me videos of like, oh my gosh, look, I'm at the center and look at the kids' faces. And I'm like, okay, yeah, that's exactly what I, what it was supposed to be. Right. And just seeing that they're able to, yeah, really make an impact in their community in a different way and serve families in a different way that may not have access to them um, because of schedules that sort of thing that are able to do that on that scale. And then of course, move them into their studio spaces as well. So, so you're with your mobile program, are you still running your own mobile program or are you just doing coaching now? So yes, we are Um, here in California. We um, have been very, slow Mm -hmm. to allow um, us back any mobile programs outside vendors and daycares and preschools have not been allowed until just a couple weeks ago. Wow. So um, we are very excited to start getting back in there. Um, We've started back at some of our centers and some are going to be starting up in summer. They're just kind of, you know, easing back into it, but um, yes. So we do still have that side. Obviously it's a, we have to get back in there and back to where we were. Um, but we are so, but I'm blessed because, because I was still able to have our coaching programs going on and helping clients through the pandemic and really making sure that they weren't one of those that were statistic that couldn't stay open. And so, um, so yeah, so we have both, both sides of this business now and, um, absolutely adore it. Love it. That's so great. We have a program at our studio that we call ArtReach, and um, we have, I think, four different programs that we do. And um, I think our biggest struggle with it is um, finding teachers. Like, we find centers that want to host, and we're struggling with finding teachers. Mm -hmm. So what we've started to do is um, not limit our area to just around the studio, but, like, if I have a teacher that lives... 40 minutes away, she could do a morning thing where she lives. It doesn't have to be near where the studio is necessarily. Um, and then the only downfall to that is you're not really going to get those kids to come to your studio. Mm-hmm. Right. Is that a part of your, of your goal when you, when you um, set up these like outreach type programs is part of your goal to feed into your own program or is that just not even an issue because you don't have a studio yes so for me I don't have a studio I have um, some partnerships with um, a studio that aligns with our values and our culture um, and also a gym um, that for gymnastics that also aligns and so we have partnerships with them that I would feed them in over to if they want to continue but for some of my clients that that is some of the, you know, it goes back to that unique vision of success. What is it that you want? What's your intention? What's your objective? And for some of them, it's like, yeah, I only want to go within a 10 mile radius of my studio because I want, like, my goal is to keep them forever. Right. Um, for me, I know that's not what I wanted. Um, and so for us, it's, we know we're not going to keep them forever. They're going to go to kindergarten. They're going to go to you know, first grade. Um, and so for us, it doesn't even matter. So we actually have grown and we, and again, in California counties are big, 
they span a lot of miles and a lot of the radius. Mm -hmm. Um, but we serve three counties here in, in California. Um, and so we, and we could continue, but I, for me, it was, I felt like it was getting too far where if I needed to go and let's say it all fell apart and the, the area manager wasn't, you know, fell, you know, whatever. Um, it was getting to where, okay, I would be in the car for four hours just to, you know, go and take care of whatever. And, you know, so for me, it was like, okay, let's scale it back. So we serve, um, Fresno, Madeira, Kings County. And so for me, that's not quite an issue. What I will tell you is a little super tip for us for finding teachers that are for mobile programs is to, um, actually look for preschool teachers that maybe danced when they were Mm -hmm. younger, um, that have some rhythm. I can train anyone, (laughs) right? I could, I could train anyone as long as you got a little bit of rhythm, but you have to be good with kids and you have to be good with that age group. And so, um, one of the things that I encourage all of my clients to do is become part of NAEYC, which is the national association of early young childhood education. But, um, so it's the organization that oversees early childhood education and it oversees the development and all of that being a member, um, of this organization allows you to be part of the local chapter. And the local chapter is the college professors for ECE classes which is your applicant pool. (laughs) I mean, right. So it allows you to attend those meetings. It's directors. So it brings you into their world and allows you to see and, and pick. Um, And so for me, when I shifted from looking for a dance teacher to looking for a early childhood educator with some dance background, Mm -hmm. it was, that's, that was the key. That was the key because it was, it's really hard to, um, find enough dance teachers that are, want to work during the day. Um, and that just had that magic gift of working with that age group. Mm-hmm. Right? And so, and to do it and to teach 13, 25 classes a week. Wow. Um, so when we shifted over to that and, as unfortunate as it is, if I'm being completely honest here, early childhood educators, preschool teachers are typically not paid very well. Right. And so for me, I was able to pick and say, well, here, this is what we pay. And it, to them, it was like, oh my gosh. Wow. Right. So I was able to, to really get some really great um, staff, some teachers from that because um, they got to see, oh, I'm working half the amount of time for more money and I love what I do. Yeah. That's awesome. How do you keep the teachers from establishing a connection with the center and eliminating the middleman? Is there, is that all in in the contract? How do you you keep that from happening? So, um, when it comes down to culture and I know studio culture is kind of like a buzz sort of thing. Like everybody's talking about culture. Um, but if we take it, scale it back, I say it's all about our 
community and our connections, right? And so for us, one of the big things that I really am um, passionate about is that one, I don't expect my staff to stay with me forever. Mm-hmm. I am, I really take the role of being a mentor and seeing what it is that they want to do with their lives, because most of the time, this is just a stopover place, right? While they're in college, why they're doing, you know, whatever they're doing. Um, and so that's number one, but here's the deal. It's me. I have a whole, oh yes, I have a whole system. And we talk about, I actually do want them to connect <laughs> with them, but I have such a great relationship with our directors and the owners of the places that we serve that they are super loyal. They are so loyal. I, when there's new people and there's, there's always going to be new programs out there. Right. But the first thing they do when one comes into town is they pick up the phone, those directors, and they call me, (laughs) they're like, Hey, Aaron, did you know? there's a new soccer program. I'm like, Oh, awesome. You know, da, 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 whatever. And, or Hey, Aaron, there's this new um, gymnastics bus that's coming around. Oh, great. Right. They are the first ones to tell me. And what they end up doing is just to those people say, Oh, we're happy with what we have, or maybe not. If it's something completely different, like soccer, I'm like, yes, bring them in. Like, again, the more the merrier, right? Like I want those children to have lots of opportunities, mm-hmm. but for my staff, Funny enough, I have never had anyone in all these years try to start their own programs here. Knock on wood. <laughs> I know, right? Knock on wood. Um, but it comes down to me being very diligent about keeping strong relationships with those directors. Yeah. So for me, I have a whole schedule, a drop-in schedule where I am visiting those centers regularly. Oh, um, that's great. I'm I'm connecting, I'm bringing gifts, I'm checking in on the teachers, they never know when I'm going to be there, (laughs) right? Um, Because you want to know what's going on, Mm -hmm. right? Because they are going out, they're not under your roof, right? And you want to make sure you know what's happening out there. And so, uh, so that's part of my system. And as I've grown, that's why I've had to, you know, maybe step back from teaching, uh, you know, sometimes I'm like, mm. but I still get to go in and do, do that every once in a while. And I come in and I have fun and it's so exciting. Um, but it's, it's really being intentional about keeping strong relationships with those directors. And yes, of course we have a thing about, um, you know, they cannot solicit, mm-hmm. you know, um, and there's a whole thing depending on where you're at about non-competes, but, um, <laughs> whether they matter or not, um, right. it depends on where you're at, but for us, it's really goes back to, I think my staff, they just, they look at me as they always call me mama bird. Oh, <laughs> because I really look at them as my kids in a way, maybe that's not right, but I want to see where they're going to go and where they're going to grow. And so, I have people who are with me who are no longer with me, who I'm still like, I'm going to their baby showers and I've seen them graduate from law school and, and are now lawyers and doctors and crazy things. Right. But all all the while it was me making sure that like, well, what's your goals? Where are you going? How will we get you there? Yeah. Which falls in line with how we coach our clients. Right. But I think it's the same thing with our staff too, is saying like, well, what is it that you really want? 
And how do I help you get there? Even if what you want is not to work here for me for the rest of your life. <laughs> yes, 100%. 100%. Um, and I think having that as, you know, the foot that we lead forward with is like, look, we're a team. I don't, you know, I want you to stay here for as long as you want to. We love, you know, we'd love to have you. But at the same time, I also don't down you for wanting more. Right. And so that's kind of how we do that. So when you talk about um, being able to offer preschool teachers or early childhood educators, you know, less hours and more pay, are you also able to offer um, benefits and like health insurance and that kind of thing to to your um, employees? Or is that something that they maybe get from their husbands? And so it's not something they're looking for from your business. Yeah. So for, for us, we don't right now offer health insurance. Um, that's those sort of things we do like paid vacations. Um, and we do, you know, like paid time off for like health or that sort of thing. Um, but we don't do health, excuse me, health benefits or anything like that. Um, at this time, it has been something that we've talked about. Um, but yeah, most of our staff either, um, they still fall under their parents. We have a lot that still will be under their parents insurance, health insurance. So it's not a big old deal for them um, or yeah, spouses or something of that nature. So it hasn't been a huge deal. I've, you know, over the years, I've had a couple that say, Hey, you know, I'd really like this. And we look in, and I help them. I have a, we have a broker that we use for our own insurance. And we say, well, what can, you know, how could this work? And so most of the time we're able to find them something that works, but it hasn't been something that we have offered as of yet. That's great. Okay. So what is this dance in a bag thing? So the dance space in a bag is basically that we take everything that we need and we throw it in our bag and we travel around to these centers. Right. And so the dance space in a bag was kind of the first, my first stab at a system for this and like making it repeatable, <laughs> simple. And how can we take this and you know, show other people how to do it. So dance business bag was that first generation. And then we moved it into the workshop, the hundred K workshop. And okay, how do we present this at a, at a different, in a different way and give them the tools that they need. And then yes, it mo- morphed into the mobile studio mastermind. Um, and it's funny because I've had, I've actually worked with not just studio owners and educators, but um, we've had, I've worked with a, a gentleman who owns a dojo. So a karate, okay, we've had somebody who does music. Um, I mean, it can be used for lots of different areas. The business model works. It's just a matter of how do you put your own little flair on it, right? So, um, so yeah, that's what it's all about. So it just morphed. And the mobile studio mastermind, which is kind of where we find a lot of people will end up is that it's this really small community. I keep it small on purpose. I just don't take everybody, but I keep it small on purpose because number one, I want to be able to serve on a really high level. Yeah. And I want, this isn't cookie cutter. Yes. We know we have certain systems and strategies that work and that, you know, you can implement and those will work for you. But my focus inside the program is really us looking at, okay, what is it Robin that you really want for your life? right? Like not just in your business, but in your personal life. And then how do we create this roadmap for you to get there in the time frame that you want to get there? 
right? And we start with that. Yes, this mobile program can be a vehicle for that, but it doesn't mean it has to be everything, right? And so we look at, I have some clients who come in and say, I only want that 10 mile radius. I'd like to add 50 students in the mobile program and then just use it as a feeder into my studio. Studio, Awesome. Great. Right. Let's do that. And every week we have um, action and accountability calls inside of our group coaching program. And so we look at that and we talk about, well, what's happening in your studio space too? And how do we make that work? And how can this apply to your studio? Right. <laughs> how can we cross pollinate here? And so we have those calls. We have our deep dive coaching calls, which we work on. And we have our own Facebook group. It's, I mean, it's absolutely phenomenal, the community that happens. And we have business besties that come out of this group, right? And they're like, we're in different sides of the country or we're in different countries even. And I found like my business bestie. Um, So that makes my heart so happy. Just the connection piece, right? Um, And finding out that they're better together. So we go through in that mastermind and walk them through the exact steps. And I'm like, it's like literally having Aaron in your back pocket. So whenever you have those moments of, I don't know what to say to a director. I don't know how to deal with this. I don't know the best strategy to market. I mean, we go through all of the pieces and I'm an open book inside that group. I'm like, here's my stuff. (laughs) Go for it. Right. Um, And I get the question a lot, like, why didn't you just franchise? Mm. Why didn't you just franchise? And for me personally, Um, there was a lot of reasons why I didn't want to franchise. Um, and mainly it was because you can't control what other people do. And I didn't want our name being connected in a way if somebody did something wrong or inappropriate or, you know, that sort of thing. And if you're in another country, it's hard for me just to pop in and check on you, mm-hmm. you know, harder for me to do that. Um, and so, and I also feel like we're in the arts, which means that we need to put our own creative, right. Thoughts mm-hmm. into it. And we need to, just because I have an amazing lesson plan, doesn't mean that that lesson plan is going to necessarily resonate with your students in your particular center, right? Um, or with that particular teacher. Or with that particular teacher. Yeah. I, so, I taught I taught very briefly for a mobile dance program that had a um, basically like a, a preset curriculum with mm-hmm. music, with instruction over the music, mm-hmm. all of the exercises, and you could just press play on the CD and then let her rip. <laughs> And it was, it was so fun to be able to go to all these different places and teach all these different students and to make money during the day. But at the end of the day, it was so draining to teach someone else's material Mm. because it wasn't sparking my creativity at all. I mean, this was even the recital because they had like a little showcase, Mm -hmm. even the recital choreography was prescribed. Mm. Robot could do it. Right. Right. Well, so sometimes I tell my clients, and maybe this isn't nice, no diss, but I don't feel like we should have the McDonald's of dance. Mm-hmm. Right. And McDonald's has done well for themselves. Don't get me wrong. But, <laughs> but we need to be able to look at not all preschool, not all three year olds are created equal. Right. And they're going to learn and develop at different stages and different times. We know that if you study early childhood education, which comes back to NAYC. And so 
if you are told you have to press play, because no matter whether you're teaching, you know, on the East Coast or West Coast, they're going to have the same class the same day, right? To me, you're doing your students a bit of a disservice Mm -hmm. because you aren't looking at, hmm, they've had skipping downs for three weeks. Why am I still pushing on that when we could be doing the next thing and working on the next skill set, right? And so for me, that was a huge piece of it was like, no, I really want you guys to, I mean, of course, I'll support you if you need questions or inspiration or ideas. Of course, that's why I don't sell a curriculum. And that's why, (laughs) right. And that's why I don't franchise, because I think that while there's amazing curriculums out there, I think you can use them for inspiration and to help you spark, you know, some creativity and some joy, but you also have to put your own stamp on it. Mm-hmm. And what, what makes you special? Mm-hmm. Because that is really what should sell to those centers and those directors is mm-hmm. you, what makes you special and different and what you're bringing to the table. Did you know that um, that's how I met Casey is I was doing like a mobile dance program and she was one of my four-year-olds and oh. all these years later, here we are. <laughs> So you never know who you're going to impact in Mm -hmm. these programs. Yep. I had a suitcase full of tap shoes. Oh, a vintage suitcase that apparently Casey remembers very well because she would be excited to see this crazy lady come in with her suitcase full of tap shoes. Mesmerized, (laughs) captivated. That makes my heart so happy because it is proof that sometimes I think when mobile programs get discounted a little bit, Mm-hmm. Um, and yes, are they considered recreational? Of course they are. They're three, right? <laughs> right? Even in an after school program. But but the profound impact that you made on her life, and she remembers that moment, and that was the spark mm-hmm. of something new for her, right? And so, yes, are a lot of our students, is it just something extra and fun for them to do whether at preschool and daycare? Of course but there is a percentage who are going to move on and who are going to carry it with them and carry the kindness and the joy and the fun and the craziness (laughs) that being a preschool dance teacher brings. It should. Mm -hmm. Right. Yeah. And same thing. I'll be in the store and there'll be a teenager that comes running up to me and like, Miss Aaron, I'm like, first of all, I don't know who you are, but okay. And they're like, I did birdies at so-and-so when I was a kid. And I'm like, that was 10 years ago, but mm. they remember it. Isn't that the best? I had a student come up to me at the Nutcracker in December when I was there. Mm-hmm. I had, I think I had like 26 people from my studio go to the Nutcracker together. And this young lady stopped me in the lobby and was like, Miss Casey. And I was like, hello. <laughs> yes. <laughs> And then she told me who she was and I was like, oh my God, yes. Hi, how are you? But she was a grown adult and it was like, she just took a couple of recreational classes for a couple of years, mm-hmm. but obviously it had an impact on her because she, she said she's still friends with some of the people that she danced with mm-hmm. and that she still has very fond memories of me and of the studio. And that's like, that's the best. It's absolutely mm-hmm. the best. Yeah. And it, it does. It just solidifies and reminds you like, okay, 
even in the moment, sometimes when it doesn't feel like Mm -hmm. (laughs) you're making a difference, right? You are. Yeah. And, and, um, and it keeps you going. Mm -hmm. I mean, in those moments that you're in there teaching, it's great. And you have lots of joy most of the time. And then, but when you see a full circle or you see students come back to you and they're like, they've grown and they've done all this life stuff and they're adults and they tell you, well, because of dance, I now realize that all the benefits that came along with it. Right. So I don't want you to give away all of your amazing secrets, but can you give us one or two tips for getting in the door? Cause that's probably the hardest part when you're first starting a program like this is just getting in the door at these facilities, creating and establishing that relationship with the director or the owner. How do you help? <laughs> help please. So first and foremost is do your research, get your ducks in a row and know, first of all, what is it that you actually need to legally teach inside these centers? Because unlike our studio spaces, for the most part, um, preschools, daycares, after school programs, even retirement communities, y'all, they have um, a regulatory agency that oversees them and has specific requirements if you are to go in to teach and be left alone with the children. Mm. And so for me, that is our goal because we don't want to burden this the centers. It's like, we want to be like that extra set of helping hands. So, which goes back to why we hire preschool Preschool teachers teachers, instead of (laughs) dance teachers, because they're going to have the units here in California. We're probably again, one of the strictest (laughs) when it comes to this sort of things in the requirement field. Um, But so do your due diligence before you ever approach these centers, because if you come in and they're like, well, no, you don't have X, Y, Z. And you look like you don't really know what you're talking about. Mm. Right. And that's the quickest and easiest. No. So what are some of those things like background checks, liability insurance, that kind of stuff? Yes. And so background checks. um, Yes. So, and background checks, if I could just give a word about that, which a lot of people don't know is that sometimes people will come to me and say, well, I'm already fingerprinted or I have a background check through our public school system because I'm a substitute teacher or something like that. And depending on where you live, those might not be sufficient for daycares and preschools. A lot of times they have their own fingerprinting and backgrounding system that actually is more um, detailed and it scrutinizes more than even the public school system. Wow. So for us here, we have to go through a Department of Justice and an FBI background check. What? (laughs) So know that. So that's number one is that just because you have this one over here does not necessarily mean that it's the one that you will need over here. Right. So that's something just to know about that. But yeah, um, background checks, fingerprint clearance, um, liability insurance, of course, also ECE units, early childhood education units might be something that is required to be left alone. And so here in California, it's 12 units you must have. But again, like I said, California is one of the most strict when it comes to that and outside vendors. So um, a lot of, I have some clients, some states, it's like when I was in North Carolina, it was like a free for all. They didn't care. (laughs) 
<laughs> right? But, like, but here there's, there's more rules. So that's why I say, do your research and know what it is that's required of you, because you want to be able to overcome their objections and knowledge is power. And yeah. if you don't have knowledge, then you can't overcome their objections. So is um, there a specific resource that you recommend or a place to go to find out that information? Like I have no idea where I would even start in my state. Even start. So one, the easiest Google's our friend, right? Google's our friend. And so the easiest way to do it is to look up who is the regulatory agency for daycares, right? So mm-hmm. if you typically what I say is just go into your search bar and type in licensed daycares in insert your town, right? Now, of course, the first results are going to be the actual daycares, right? That have paid or not, but they're up there. But if you scroll down and you look a little bit, you're going to see a .gov or you're going to see a government website and it's probably going to be the Department of Health. It might be the Department of Social Services. Here in California, it's community care licensing. Um, there's, But you'll see where it's actually like a government website, right? And it's probably going to say like search, you know, licensed facilities in your area because they're going to have a search function. So that told you who is the one who oversees it. And most of the time when you go to their website, they are going to have online now because, you know, we're fancy and we have technology now. It didn't used to be this way, but when I first started out, but now online, you can find their licensing manuals. And so they may be called different things, but it's basically their manual that has written from the state of all of the requirements for daycares and preschools to operate. Now it reads like a government document. It's not a fun document to read, but some states, and I'm talking about here in the U S now in other countries, we've looked at what is it for them and you know, how that goes, but here in the States, um, most of them are going to, are not going to address specifically outside vendors. There are some States that do, which is a beautiful thing because it's very clear, right? Most do not still to this day. So you can find where it says, what are the requirements for a, you know, three-year-old classroom for a teacher? And that's kind of our borrow that we look at like, okay, well, for them to hire a three-year-old, a preschool teacher for their center, this is what they would need. And we try to make sure that our, our, um, you know, we have all of those credentials, whatever that is. Um, now again, at the end of the day, if you don't have them, it's not the end of the world. It doesn't mean that your business is not going to work. It means we just have to look at how do we make this work? And, um, you know, maybe along the way you take an online ECE class, or you look at your college transcripts, because the truth of the matter is there's a lot of classes that are general ed classes that those units can still be used as ECE units, like psychology and things like that. So you may actually have units that you don't know that you have. <laughs> so that's why I say like, don't fret. Cause sometimes people say, but I don't have any of that. Like it's not going to work. No, we can make it work. Let's take a look and see how we, how we make it work. So, um, so no, do your research. That's a big thing. And then the second thing is for the love of all that's good, <laughs> please y'all, please do not be the telemarketer and cold calling people. Nobody wants that. It's the easiest and fastest way to say no. Right. And so 
I mean, you think about it back in the day when we had like phones on the wall <laughs> and it was dinner time and the phone would ring and it'd be a telemarketer. How angry and annoyed would you be? Right. I don't got time for that. So you'd hang up. It's the same thing. And I know a lot of times clients or people who come to me say, but like, well, I don't want to bother them or I don't. I'm like, well, you are. If you actually cold call, you're actually bothering them. <laughs> right. More so. And it's, it's, it's a hard no. Um, I said, they want to see your face. They want to know you. They want to know who this person is. Right. Um, and so please don't cold call. Don't cold email. Email to people say, oh, I'll just email them. How many emails do we get in a day? Right. And if it's an unsolicited email. They're either not going to read it or they're going to delete, delete, delete right away. Oh yeah. Delete right away. So how do you, how do you approach them? So honestly, I say, think about those pharmaceutical reps and put on your, your sales hat and we visit, Mm. we visit. Mm -hmm. Do you bring gifts or goodies or anything? Um, sometimes depends on the situation. And inside the mastermind, I have a whole like marketing system. We call it the hit list marketing system, um, where we go into exactly like, this is here's templates and scripts. And here's the things just to get your feet wet. Because what I found is, um, most of my clients, they don't come to me because they're not amazing dance educators. Mm-hmm. They come to me because they're like, I don't know how to market this program because it's so different. Right. Mm-hmm. And it feels different because you're going out and selling outside your studio where you're used to people coming into you. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. And so that could be very scary to some people um, because they don't want to be rejected. Rejection's hard. Right. I mean, but at the same time, you're going to get better results if you actually go out and have conversations with people. Um, but yes, yeah, sometimes we bring it sometimes not depends on where we're at in our um, system in the follow-up. Um, but yes, goodies always probably, you know, who doesn't want a goodie? So yes, we do incorporate those. So, um, so that would be the big two tips is obviously before you go out, if someone's looking to get started, please do your research and just know before you go out. Um, and then, yeah, don't, don't be the telemarketer. Don't be a cold caller, go have conversations with people and people want to see real people. Mm-hmm. Like they do so much. And so instead of thinking, Oh my gosh. And then I've had the recently, but COVID so people, no people want to see people. And I have to tell you guys, directors expect people to show up at their doors because they're expecting parents to come and check them out and see if they're the right center for them. Mm-hmm. They're expecting that regulatory agency to pop in and do a visit mm. at any time. Right. So it's not like, why are you out here? That's never the pro, you know, people, they're not going to be like, Oh, no, you know, um, they expect people to come out there. They really do. So go out there and make some connections. It's all about human connection. Wow. Well, that was so informative. I'm excited. I'm excited to, um, check out your program and do better and take my art reach program to a new level. Can you tell everybody where they can find more information about your programs? Oh, of course. So if you on the, 
really simple, truthfully. We thought the easiest way is to, <laughs> to just have our website, which is my name, AaronBird.com. So, but Bird is B-U-R-D. So AaronBird.com is our website and you can find out more information on our programs there. But if you just love to connect, I love to connect um, and chat with people. And so on social media, you can find me at Aaron Bird Coaching. Um, whether it's Instagram or Facebook, same. And we also have, I don't know if anybody's interested, but we also have a um, free Facebook group, which is Teach Preschool Dance. And I would love to invite anybody there um, because inside there, such a great community and everybody's talking about it. And of course we dive in and share um, more about mobile programs there. We also share just tips and tricks and support each other there. So it's a really great community um, of educators and studio owners who get together and are kind of, you know, looking to do better and to really support each other. So those are kind of the three main ways, but, um, and I'm in all of them. So (laughs) easiest way to connect. Awesome. Thank you so much, Erin, for joining us today. It's been so lovely to talk to you and finally you. meet you on screen. <laughs> I know. I know. It's so funny. We feel it's, it does. You feel like, oh my gosh, I know that person. Right. <laughs> right. Because we've just seen each other on social media and whatnot. And then when you actually get to talk in person and see each other, um, it's so great. It's so it great. Cause it feels so like there's great. no, like you've already, you already know each other. You're already connected. Yeah. yeah. Right? So it makes it so easy. Yeah, for sure. All right. Well, let's share our heart happy moments. Robin, what is your heart happy moment? Um, I guess my heart happy moment is I feel like my, um, my middle son is back. Um, he, I'm seeing him more around the house and he's dating one of my recent graduating dancers. So they cut like last night they popped in for dinner and 